But uh, the first one I'll be talking about is Black Xmas. Uh, I didn't get to talk about it, and uh, yeah, 2006, what can I say? In 2006, I was kind of one of those people that was like, I am so burnt out on remakes. I'm fresh out of high school. I'm 19 years old. Uh, much more handsome back then, actually. Just kidding. But uh, regardless, I was, I was one of those people, I think from age like 14 to like 22, I was just a miserable piece of crap. I hated everything. Everything was stupid. Everything was bad. Uh, I would boycott that. I'd be like, those aren't real horror movies, yada, yada, yada. I grew up and uh, eventually I heard a lot of good things about Black Christmas or Black Xmas, uh, the remake of the Bob Clark movie from 1974. Uh, I did like the original, but I was no super fan. Uh, so yeah, I put this in and uh, the stuff I heard about it, I actually upgraded. I bought a copy on like $8 on Vudu. It's in HD, and uh, it's unrated, so that's what I went for. I didn't watch the DVD. So, yeah, uh, Black Christmas, or Black Xmas, uh, it basically follows the story of uh, this crazy person, uh, Billy, who is uh, kind of abused as a child, very abused as a child, and it all ties into the Christmas holiday spirit. Uh, his sister was taken care of better than him, and his parents were just disgusting monsters. He saw his dad murdered, so he's all messed up. He's in an insane asylum uh, on Christmas, and of course he escapes. But there's much more going on in the story here. There's a sorority that uh, they're kind of stuck there for Christmas. There's a big snowstorm, so everybody's stuck inside the house. And, of course, a killer starts picking them off. I don't want to spoil too much about the movie, but what I will say about the movie is uh, when they do this kind of flashback, kind of like how they did in the remake of Halloween, it's not as bothersome because the character of Billy, he's not. he, he may be iconic to some, but he's not iconic to everybody. When somebody takes Michael Myers and they make him a human, that bothers people. But when someone takes Billy and, and shows you his whole past, his whole history, and uh, shows you how messed up and jaded he is and why he has this weird fascination with Christmas and eyeballs, uh, it's actually really cool, and it works really well, and it comes off super sleazy. I am shocked that this movie played in theaters. Uh, very, very sleazy movie, very gory movie, uh, very high body count. I felt bad for the people when they were killed, and uh, people get killed you don't really expect. Uh, there's some familiar faces in here as well, uh, but I really enjoyed the hell out of it, and... Uh, Without spoiling, like I said too much, you know how the first one, a lot of people have these theories that they're possibly two killers. Well, this is kind of a family ordeal here. That's all I'll say. But uh, it really, really high body count, uh, really gory, mean-spirited, and super freaking sleazy. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, they cram in as much Christmas iconography as they possibly can, uh, along with bloodshed. And the back history, the past of Billy, and everything that happened with his family uh, is interesting. And it does play out like uh, you know, a serial killer would. But it has that element of campiness and over-the-topness with the slasher stuff. So it does. it's not so gritty and downbeat. It is gritty and nasty, but it's not. It, it plays just as a means spirited slasher movie without uh you know uh i guess it's not as dirty as the older movies but uh, it's pretty hard to top that kind of dirt but this is black xmas uh and uh, I would say check it out, especially if you like older slasher films, or especially if you like the more extreme movies from that time that actually were pretty decent, because Black Xmas is that. It is really cool. Fifteen years ago, on Christmas Eve, his family became his victims. What have you done?
roads and airports are officially closed. This one is not gonna let up. A group of college friends... That sucks. Everyone should be home for Christmas. ...are about to discover... Lauren, we're opening up presents. Why don't you open the present we got you? Their house... I got it. ...is his home. All is calm. All is bright. Don't you have lots of toys to deliver to good little boys and girls? You really shouldn't provoke somebody like that. And on December 25th... You're definitely getting punked. Is that Santa's reindeer? All he wants for Christmas... Is Megan in her room? Is a new family he can treat like his very own. Christmas. The next one. Yeah, it took me years to see this movie. This is again one I watched on Vudu and HDX. I got to upgrade it. It is The Mangler, directed by Toby Hooper, starring Robert England, and, uh, or, so I've heard some people pronounce it Ungland, uh, and of course, uh, Ted frickin' Levine in a heroic role. This is actually based on a short story by Stephen King, which I read years ago, called the Mangler. So yeah, The Mangler is a ridiculous story about a haunted, uh, evil, uh, possessed, weird uh, washing machine, or uh, it kind of folds the sheets and or, or steam dries the sheets. Uh, they call it The Mangler. And uh, what happens is through a series of events, this thing becomes uh, possessed. Although the story is very muddled and kind of cluttered that you think that the icebox, there's an evil icebox that possibly triggered its possession. But from what you find out, the Mangler has always been evil. So I'm not sure what the hell was going on with that deal. But Robert Englund is puttied up in a bunch of makeup. Him and another character, the photographer, are covered in this almost Dick Tracy-like appliances. And they're having a lot of fun. The movie's very stylized, very strange. The only thing it really feels like a Stephen King movie is kind of the small town approach to it. And uh, I do think that kind of stuff works in here. Uh, I do enjoy the kind of Stephen King movies where it's like, hey, this is a seven-page story. Let's make a freaking movie out of it. Uh, Graveyard Shift, for example, which I love. The Cycle of Wolf, a.k.a. Silver Bullet, it's not a very long story. It's mostly pictures. And uh, The Mangler, Lawnmower Man. There's a Children of the Corn. There's a lot of them. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Children of the Corn, but, you know. I am a fan of the sequels, if that says anything about me. But, you know, The Mangler is one of those. In the vein of Graveyard Shift with The Factory, uh, it's not as good as Graveyard Shift. I have a very, very high fondness for Graveyard Shift. I think The Mangler is very muddled and very strange. Uh, Ted Levine is always fun to watch. He's just a bizarre, crazy person, I think. Uh, and it shows in this one. Uh, him being an heroic type was also interesting. Kind of playing against type. He has played cops, you know, he... But, and uh, this is a little bit different. But yeah, Robert England is chewing the scenery uh, immensely. And uh, he's having fun. It's it's cool to see Robert England having fun. Uh, there There's a side character in the movie. Uh, his brother-in-law, Ted Levine's brother-in-law. Which I think is just a very, very poorly written character. And he kind of uh, fills in the gaps. He's definitely there for an info dump type character. Uh, but the movie is bizarre as all hell. It's a fever dream. It's Toby Hooper. So everybody's screaming at the top of their lungs for whatever freaking reason. Uh, it works a lot of times. Sex Chance on Massacre, Eaten Alive. Uh, sometimes it just seems very, very odd. Which is fun. Uh, which is The Mangler. I almost said Funhouse, but that's not right. But The Mangler. So yeah. Uh, the one thing that really bothered me about the movie, not not this is a positive, is uh, I work in a factory, so when I see people get mangled and destroyed and killed and disfigured from machines, 
really freaking grosses me out. So uh, there's this poor old lady that gets sucked in the very beginning without spoiling too much, and it is graphic. I'm not sure if the voodoo one is the uncut one. There is a German uh, DVD that is uh, more uncut. It has uh, gore effects. This one was pretty gory as it is, people getting killed by it. There's some of the digital kind of effects at the end, uh, you know, early kind of stuff like that, are a little iffy, really iffy. But all in all, it's just such a weird movie. You're going to love it or hate it. It's, it's going to divide the audience. Uh, I think it's interesting as hell. Maybe, I, maybe I'm... I guess I'm, I'm going against what I said, love it or hate it. I love some of it. I hate some of it. Does that make any sense uh, to the Mangler? I wish I could change a couple things, but just a freaking weird movie. I don't know what else to say about the Mangler, but it's worth checking out for sure. There's a little bit of me in that machine, and a little bit of it in me. There was an accident today. The worst one I've ever seen. Have you considered the possibility that the machine might be haunted? That machine killed your daughter. We all have to make sacrifices. Human sacrifices. A demon is a kind of electricity. Sometimes it gets out of control. People get hurt. Three modern masters of horror have just created the ultimate machine for terror. Next one is a first time watch as well. I also upgraded on Voodoo. This is uh, the Next Generation or Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, 4 with Renee Zellweger and of course Matthew freaking McConaughey. Yeah, this one. This is actually the only Texas Chainsaw I hadn't seen except the uh, what's the newest one that came out which uh, kind of breaks its own rules. It's, it, it's timelines all screwed up. I watched part of that and I was like, I'm out. But uh, you know, I love the first one. I love the second one. I even really enjoyed the third one by uh, Jeff Burr. Uh, not so big on the remakes, although some of them do have some nice gore set pieces. They're just really not my thing. But uh, this one is the only one I hadn't really checked out. So I put it in. I was like, you know, I have to see it. Might as well watch an HD on Voodoo. Uh, yeah. It is, a, again, a fever dream. It's very bizarre. It's very weird. Uh, and, you know, originally how... Toby Hooper said he wanted the Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be a comedy. The director of this one was actually, I believe, involved with the original. Uh, Hinkle or Hankle, Kim Hinkle. Uh, so uh, I think that he kind of grasped that. And this one is definitely a comedy, definitely over the top. Uh, it's as if they remade Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, uh, more comedic, as if uh, instead of them going out to swim, it was a, a bunch of people from prom that got lost. So take that in your head and put it in there and just imagine how weird that could be. With Matthew McConaughey as the main baddie, and, and uh, they embrace more of the Leatherface cross-dressing aspect which actually uh ed gein was more into uh and uh I, I imagine they wanted more in the original but uh so it is just a, a bizarre weird movie uh it's not really gory it's pretty goreless which is surprising after two and three were so nasty uh but yeah it, I, I'm not particularly sure if I like it. The ending here uh with uh this weird government official which is all I'm gonna say is bonkers and uh pretty stupid. Uh, in fact, the whole movie's pretty stupid, but if you can get past how stupid it is, you might enjoy yourself a little bit uh, to see, you know, the performances and just the weird stuff in here. One of the characters que keeps, like, quoting these famous people and these, these lots of cool lines, but uh, it's just so weird. And uh, 
there is uh, some nudity in here. Uh, there's another character who's really weird and sexual, and Matthew McConaughey is kind of dating her and beats the crap out of her the whole time. But this, again, is a very, very sweaty, gross, uh, stupid fever dream uh, that I think is actually trying to <laughs> mimic Toby Hooper at least a little bit. And uh, I can appreciate it to that extent, but I don't think I'm a fan. <laughs> Each of us has known the fear of being alone, lost in the darkness, faced with the unknown. But there is one fear shrouded in our past, lost in our subconscious, that should never have been forgotten. A fear so deep, it cuts to the bone. American legend returns to bring you back to the cutting edge of terror. Welcome to my world. The next one we have here is the cream of the crop in this video. This is Space Babes from Outer Space. Yeah, this is a Brian Williams and Scott Shermer's new movie. Uh, I know those guys. I'm going to say this right off the bat. I know Scott. I know Brian. I know Ellie. I know a lot of the people that acted in this movie uh, and worked on the movie in the background. I, I donated to the Kickstarter. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm subconsciously biased and probably unsubconsciously biased. Uh, I love these people, and uh, I really love this movie. Uh, it's kind of a throwback, definitely. Not a throwback. I don't want to say it's a sex comedy mixed with one of the space uh, kind of aliens coming to Earth deals. And that's what we have here, made by Brian. This is the most Brian Williams movie of all time. If anybody knows Brian Williams, he did A Time to Kill, which uh, has Ellie Church. It's like an exploitation-style movie. But this is such a Brian movie. If anybody's been around him, he talks about chicken nuggets. And it's just lots of girls uh, uh, naked everywhere, washing stuff, just doing silly things. Uh, Brian has a lighthearted uh, sense to this movie, and it really uh, adds to it. It's not just a, uh, you know, a sleazy, deep, dark movie. And I don't want to say anything's wrong with that. I mean, if you were going to do a sex comedy uh sleazy dark sex comedy is a little you know uh and uh brian does it right he has a perfect uh, there's so much nudity in here but he has that perfect blend of sweetness and kindness and uh raunchiness that just makes you you smile uh what we have here is three space babes trying to uh, escape the scrotes, which are these little uh, puppet ball things, which are hilarious. Uh, they crash land on Earth like every 80s movie ever. Uh, think of Master Universe. They come to our world and are, you know, the fish out of the water or poach. Uh, so, yeah, we have that. Uh, Ellie Church is the lead of the Space Babes. Alice Winkler, I believe, is uh, one from uh, Plank Face. I hope I said her name right. And uh, uh, one of the actresses from Frankenstein Created Bikers, I think she's in, in this as well, is the third Space Babe. They meet uh, Brian Pepper Adrea. I hope I said his name right. I know that guy. He's a good guy. Uh, and uh, Ellie and him have this weird relationship where they kind of fall in love. Uh, of course, uh, they end up at the strip joint, which is, uh, is part of it, uh, to try to find sexual energy, which is what their ship needs to refuel. So uh, while Brian and uh, Ellie's characters fall in love, the other uh, girls kind of mingle in the strip joint while the scrotes sneak in inconspicuously. And uh, what ensues is a bunch of zany, weird characters played by a lot of familiar faces, Jason Crow, Ronnie Jonah, uh, Brandon Yates. A lot of these people you'll recognize, uh, uh, Jason Hignite, so, uh, Bridget McCauley. So it's really great 
great to see a lot of these people that popped up in the uh, movies before by these guys, and uh, they're having fun, and they do a particularly great job. Uh, what's fun about it, these even the characters in the background that have a hat or weird glasses, uh, they seem to have these uh, characters, and I'm a big, big sucker for uh, side characters and little supporting cast, and uh, like I'll say, uh, a lot of them steal the show, uh, especially Jason Crow, who keeps having this gimmick where he gets gross shit on him, but... Uh, Jason's one of those guys that I believe you could just film him doing anything and it's perfect. Uh, I would say Brandon Salke, who's a friend of mine, who's also an indie actor. There's these guys that you just go, go at it, go to town, and they, they're great at everything. Uh, they're really fun, and Jason does an amazing job in here. There's a little bit of blood, but that's not really the highlight. There's some, you know, fun, uh, tongue-in-cheek spacecraft stuff. There's some good, cool digital effects in the beginning of them running by Dustin Mills. So like I said, I know a lot of the people involved with this are biased as shit, but uh, it is probably the best indie movie I've seen this year. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it looks great, and there's so much nudity. So much comedy and nudity. I was laughing out loud all the time. The soundtrack's great. Uh, really cool stuff. It really feels uh, pretty genuine genuine and uh what they accomplished on a budget is just wonderful i'm really proud of all the people involved i don't i don't want to sound like they're dead like oh geez guys i'm proud of you but I'm, I'm i'm impressed i'm freaking impressed i love it i'll probably watch it again i had a chance to listen to the commentary by brian and scott and they're you know uh it's pretty funny scott's basically saying he's a good boy and he's gonna go to heaven and he didn't want to make this smut which anybody knows scott that's just full of shit but it's pretty funny uh there's also a featurette which i checked out on there which is it was cool but what's cool about the double stacked edition is the second disc has a, a pick your own strip tease and uh them cooking uh, chicken nuggets and stuff and whatnot and i haven't had a chance to watch that I'll, i really look forward to it but yeah you guys really need to check it out uh they did a really cool perk where you get a bunch of cool stuff with it uh and i'd really recommend uh checking it out and some supporting these guys. Uh, I know that uh, Brian and Ellie are moving to Atlanta, so good luck, guys. Uh, you guys are hardworking. Uh, you guys are talented, and you're good to be around. I mean, there's not much more I can say about you. You guys are good people. Uh, so uh, check out Space Babes from Outer Space. I know I'm probably fanboy gushing out like a, a shameless plug of people I know and then my friends and stuff, but, you know, it's damn good, too. I wouldn't tell you otherwise. Uh, so check out Space Babes trailer. You'll love it. Billions of light years away, a soft pink round supple spaceship was quietly floating through the cosmos when suddenly... Computer! It's another scrote. Well, that really puts a wrinkle in our plans. Gloss up, babe. It's time to play ball. And play ball they did. They, of course, being... The Space Babes from Outer Space. The Scrotes were right on their tail. Hope they enjoyed the view. And who could blame them? Hold on to your hooters, babes. Things might get a little silly. So, hooters were held, and silliness was achieved. Forced to land on the alien planet of Earth, these three babes know a thing or two about heavenly bodies. But it took an Earth boy named Charlie. My name's Charlie. To teach them about love. Love. Most people down here don't even understand it. But the babes are fast learners and got what it takes. You too. You're hired. No matter how hard or long. Or short. The journey. Sexual energy is what these babes need. And we all got wieners. Wieners. To refuel their ship and get back home. The next one I have here, I don't have a copy. It was sent to me by uh, Eight the Chosen One, the the reviewer, the rapper, and the actor. Uh, I've known Eight on YouTube for a long time. He's a good guy. 
so I'll say that ahead of time. I know him. Uh, this is actually a crack baby billionaire. This is directed by John Miller, who is part of the uh, Sleazebox team with uh, Chris uh, Woods, I believe. What was his name? Uh, I believe it was Chris Woods. But uh, he kind of branched off and is doing his own thing. But this movie definitely has that Florida kind of sleazy skink, uh, stink on it that those movies are known for. Uh so yeah, what we have here is kind of a, a low-budget indie crime movie with like horror gore in it. Uh, it's it's a very it's it's an oddity, it, to be honest. It, it kind of incorporates uh, these uh, these backyard fight scenes like street beefs and uh, the whole prison lifestyle and the rapper get rich die trying fame deal. Uh, it feels like a lot of old crime films that I've seen back in the day. And there's one character that's basically doing his best Scarface impersonation, which is very bizarre. But uh, 8 uh, plays the lead. He's the guy trying to get uh, rags to riches storyline. And he's really good in it. He's probably my favorite part of the movie. Uh, also, you'll I'll notice that there's some nice supporting in here. Uh, Joel D. Winecoop pops up as a brawler, who's always fun to watch. Uh, Bob Glazer pops up as a crooked cop. And his partner as well, who's in tons of stuff. Those guys are actually really fun in the movie as well. Uh, some of the supporting's pretty rough, uh, you know, as these indie movies range, but uh, the, those people are really fun to watch that I mentioned. And it all ranges. The guy doing the Scarface impersonation, it, it, it's good, but I'm not sure if it's supposed to be comedic or serious. Uh, and that's the main thing I had with the movie. Uh, when it gets really exploitative, which it does, it, it, it veers off and does these super exploitative things like man-on-man -man rape attempt and uh, people being forced to eat uh, shit and worms. So it's just like it's going off the rails here. And I'm not necessarily sure if this is supposed to be gross or serious or funny or all all the same thing. Because when I feel like a movie is trying to be exploitative just for the sake of being exploitative, I feel an almost comedic tone. Uh, a lot of people will be just super grossed out, but it feels almost comedic at times. And uh, I think the tone is a little strange because it... it I'm not sure. A lot of people will dig it because of that, but I think it, it kind of does this weird thing where it's comedic at times and really gross and, and gritty and nasty at times. Uh, so it's totally, it's a strange film. Uh, like I said, I do enjoy it just because Eight's so good in it, and uh, it's nice to see him kind of flesh out a character and get to be a deep character and put himself in these positions. He, he's one of those guys that's just full of energy, and he does everything at 110%. You can tell when he does his YouTube videos back in the day. Uh, there's no half-ass in it with him. He, he appears in American Guinea Pig, uh, Bouquet of Blood and Guts, as the killer. And uh, it's nice to see him branch out and do something a little bit bigger and uh, more depth. And he does a good job, like I said. And I, I know it's just turning into like another love letter like we just had with Space Babes. But he's a good guy, and he does a good performance, and it's worth it for that. And not to mention, there is some nasty, gnarly gore effects in here. And if you like extreme movies for the sake of being extreme, then I would say check this out. Some of the, the, the editing is a little difficult to, to swallow at times for me because it seems like everything's shot in a medium or like... Uh, I don't want to say establishing shot because it's not that far away. And then they kind of crop and zoom in for their close-ups. Uh, maybe on DVD you wouldn't notice as much. I believe I watched kind of an HD look. And I could tell that the, the footage would just get grainier and, and grainier. Uh, but they do try to size some editing techniques where it goes black and white here and there. Uh, if you watch the trailer and you are familiar with the kind of the sleazy kind of Florida horror movie kind of crime movies. I, 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 this is the only one. But the kind of horror kind of sleazy stuff. Then you'll know if you'll like it or not. Uh, like I said, I'm a little bit on the fence about it in general. I do like some of the performances, like I said, uh, and I appreciate that they're doing an independent crime movie because they don't really make those anymore, and it's nice to see someone... Uh, these guys definitely don't care about offending people, and uh, they just want to go out and make a movie, and uh, I can appreciate that as well. But this is a crack baby billionaire. Go ahead and watch the trailer, uh, and all the information will be below. 
as will everything else for these movies. Normally I'd say the last, but certainly not the least, but I believe this is the least. This is the Grindhouse Gut Munchers multi-feature DVD set. These are actually two movies by Scarlet Fry, not his real name, but they're two anthologies. Uh, one is uh, Scarlet, Fry's, Scarlet Fry's Junk Food Horror Fest, and the other is Scream Machine. These are both anthologies made by the same guy. Uh, and uh, let's start out with uh, Junk Food Horror Fest. Basically, we start with the wraparound of a VHS. That was very popular, I guess, when this was made 2007. So, yeah, we have this grainy kind of pretty much shot on video looking movie where it's like, okay, here's a VHS. Uh, this crackhead goes to get some drugs and they give him a VHS and said she comes back and she, she kills the guy and says, let's watch the tape. Uh, a lot of this is real weird that it's done in, uh, you know, Nar oh, like uh, narration or uh, not narration but voiceover so there'll just be shots and it's almost like an afterthought well we need a transition there let's do a voiceover so they'll do this voiceover and then it cuts into this uh, this movie with a wraparound in it which is very bizarre that they would start with a, a, a wraparound within a wraparound I don't know I don't know what's going on uh, it's just strange, but there's basically five stories in here. Let me see six stories. Let me see if I can remember all of them. One is basically about a, a heavy set serial killer who eats people. Uh, there's no twist. There's just straightforward. It is what it is. It's not very good. Uh, we have one where there's these skaters that uh, you know go around and they pleasure this uh, homosexual man by putting nails through a, a skateboard. Not that, but they they spank him with a skateboard. They give him money so he can get weed. And this guy has this uh, masculinity complex, and he goes back and kills him because his friends make fun of him for being gay. Uh, it's very immature. It's very stupid. Uh, that's all I could say about that one. Uh, that's not particularly well made either. Although the uh, guy who plays the homosexual goes for it. He's not scared, and he goes for it. It is over the top, but, uh, you know, he pulls his pants down and wiggles his butt, and uh, I guess you got to give the guy credit because he didn't seem to give a shit. Uh, the other shorts in here, I, I, I can't even, they're not really ringing a bell uh, off the top of my head. Uh, like I said, they're, they're very poorly edited. They're, they're pretty difficult to get through, and uh, I just don't understand this guy's, uh, you know, his deal. I think they're just so poorly made that... Uh, and uh, I, I know they're going for like this grindhouse cheap kind of look and feel, but uh, I just can't get into it. I just can't get into it at all, to be honest. And that's all I'm going to say about um, Junk Food Whorefest. Uh, oh, the last short I do remember off the top of my head, I just watched these. That's, uh, that's what I mean. Is, uh, is, uh, is one about suicide. Uh, it's kind of played straight, edited, kind of uh, fading in and out and dark. And uh, then all of a sudden the guy gets in the bathtub and he cuts his wrist and heavy metal music blares. There's no real reason for it. It's just heavy metal music blares right when he cuts his wrist. Uh, the special effect on the wrist looks pretty good. That's one thing. This is the gore's okay. There's lots of blood. But uh, it's just, like I said, immature and just so bad it's offensive. I'm not offended. Like I'm not like, oh my God. I'm just like, what are you doing? I don't want to sound like a jerk. I know it's hard to make a movie. I know that stuff that I've been involved with and stuff that I've made have probably just been just as bad. But uh, I guess it's not how it's made that necessarily... It's just what it is. It's just not good to me. And I don't like anything about it particularly without trying to be a jerk because I don't want to be. Uh, the next one, uh, Scream Machine, uh, has Lloyd Kaufman in it. So... You know how that goes. Uh, there's very rarely will you see a movie with Lloyd Kaufman in it that's that's any good anymore because Lloyd says yes to everything, and that's cool. But for Lloyd to do that, but uh, it also uh, creates some really uh, you know it, it's it's a warning trigger. You know, oh Lloyd's in this, uh, 
It's not a James Gunn movie. I, I think I'll avoid it. Uh, occasionally, he'll do a good job, Apocalypse Kiss. But, you know, he's not getting paid. He comes in. He's the opener of this one. He kind of comes in. But then we cut into another wraparound story, which is kind of strange, uh, about a talking head and the apocalypse. A bull eye, I guess, killed everybody. They're really good at jumping on the bandwagon on that one. And this has uh, five stories in here. Uh, one is about a baseball uh a uh, fast-pitch baseball player who kills this man's son, and, and this guy gets revenged years later. Uh, that's all there is to it. There's no twist. There's no secretivity about it. That's just straightforward. Uh, another one is about these junkies who decide to play a joke on somebody, and the guy accidentally ODs because he gets so scared, uh, and then they rip his teeth out for no particular reason at all. It's really poorly made. It makes no sense, and it's very pointless. Uh a couple of the other stories here are one guy gets jumped in a septic tank and mostly it's done uh, through editing and you guys screaming and yelling and voiceover and a tortoise, which is cute, which tortoise is the best part of the whole movie, eating stuff outside of his uh, septic tank, outside the septic tank, not much to it. Uh, and the final story is actually probably the best uh, just because the lead, uh, the male lead in the drive-in story is actually a pretty good actor. Uh, actually, kind of, he's also uh, one of the hosts, but I believe he's dubbed over or voiced over very uh, poorly, 80 yard in the, the, the wraparound. But uh, he's pretty good in this. Uh, a couple go to uh, a, a drive-in theater and the lady forgets her medication. She kind of snaps. The movie starts talking to her and she ends up uh, killing her date. That's pretty much the whole thing there. Uh, what's... Uh, entertaining about this one is uh just that guy's performances really but they reuse one of the shorts or parts of the shorts from the suicide short from the previous movie junk Ho junk food whore fest so lots of just voiceover lots of very little footage with uh uh weird editing techniques to stretch this out into a feature uh just very poor very poor movies uh but that, there's two for one, and they're not very expensive. On one of them, uh, the short Horama, which is an anthology he did previously, comes on there. All these kind of bleed together to me. I watched it all, but, you know, I, I just can't recommend that. My, he sure is cute. I'm not doing the Craigslist things. Too many weirdos out there. He's gonna trip so hard. Bones likely won't be discovered for years. Let's what? Let's start with the. Uh, actually, let's start with the theater experience. I actually went and seen uh, Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. Uh, I've seen all Edgar Wright's movies. Uh, you know, he did the Coronado trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and At World's End. Love all three of those movies. Like Scott Pilgrim. Uh, and uh, Baby Driver. Uh, this is definitely inspired by the kind of uh, you know drive movies like Driver or Drive. And uh, kind of the crime element where somebody who's a, a you know professional driver for crime <clears throat> wants to get out of the business. He has a couple loved ones that uh, you know kind of uh, making him want to do this or the catalyst for a reason for him to get out of here. Uh, he's basically hired by Kevin Spacey because he did him wrong. Not, he owes him, so he has to drive uh, drive for him to uh, make things straight. Uh, in the meantime, he uh, I mean in, during this he meets these kind of strange uh, criminals, John Bernthal. Uh, John Ham, uh, John Ham, and uh, Jamie Fox. So yeah, uh, the highlight of this movie is obviously the music. Uh, it, it's a big thing that uh, Edgar Wright is very famous for matching the music up with the action, and that then the sound effects in this one and the music it all matches up really well. There's lots of fun camera tricks. Uh, he has the big wonder like it's done in Shaun of the Dead with the character walking through and all that kind of stuff with a nice little uh, you know visual uh, you know 
jokes here and there, which is really clever. Uh, another thing I really enjoyed about the movie is uh, Jamie Foxx and John Hamm's performances uh, are really, really good. Uh, Jamie Foxx plays that type of character who's just like a complete sociopath or psychopath. I'm not necessarily sure which, but he's scary. He's intimidating. It took me back to those days when I was uh, in like high school or you're young and you're hanging out with your brother's friends or some, somebody's older than you and you're around somebody that's clearly intimidating and can really hurt you. Jamie Foxx gets that really well where I, it, it sucked me back in time where I literally was intimidated by him on screen. He did such a, a great performance. Uh, John Hamm is also a very complicated, got more more complicated character than, uh, I guess, the lead, too. I mean, they're all kind of complicated characters, but I, I guess his motives are justified, which just make, makes him interesting. I want to say he's an interesting character, uh, as all of them are, but He's really interesting because he almost has a reason to go after our lead in this movie, but uh, they have this strange relationship. Uh, the lead character in this movie always is listening to music, which is really cool. So you get all these nice little soundtracks here and there. It's nice to see that uh, music choices in films are coming back really strong because uh, for a while we were getting really bad music in movies. Uh, it was like a, like heavy rock music at times. You know, it was, it was definitely a part of its time. Now a lot of the songs they're playing are kind of timeless songs or... And that's pretty cool. But uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. I do think the movie should have ended a little sooner than it did. But that's just my personal preference. But i check out Baby Driver, especially if you like Edgar Wright's other stuff. Uh, he's one guy that I'm not worried about throwing my money at. Because, you know, I love all his stuff. So I want him to keep making movies. So you're just starting your day or did you just get off? They call it go, you know. So what is it you do? I'm a driver. Oh, like a chauffeur. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. What is your name? Baby. Your name's Baby. B-A-B-Y Baby. one who say listen to the music all the time is he uh, mental mental meaning slow was he slow no he had an accident when he was a kid still has a hum in the drum plays music to drown it out and that's what makes him the best whoa, 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 whoa. one more job and i'm done one more job and we're straight. Now, I don't think I need to give you this feature about what happens when you say no, how I can break your legs and kill everyone you love, because you already know that, don't you? Yeah. But uh, the next, the first movie I'll be reviewing is from Arrow, of course, and this is Doberman Cop uh, by, uh, what is the guy's last name? Uh... Katafuki, uh, he did, you know, Battle Royal, Green Slime, and Cops vs. Thugs, which I saw. Those are the movies, you know, I'm most familiar with him. I said he also did the Battles Without Honor and Humanity trilogy, or uh, not trilogy, but series. There's like five of those movies and a bunch of them. But yeah, this one. This one is by Arrow Films. I put this in. It has Sonny Chiba in it. Uh, Sonny Chiba is a huge, you know, Japanese action star, and I'm not too familiar with Sonny Chiba, to be honest. I, you know, I've seen clips from the Street Fighter and Return to Street Fighter and those kind of things, but I know he's famous for kicking ass and being tough. And uh, Doberman Cop. It's actually based on a manga at the time, and it's pretty interesting because in 1977, I guess they were taking a lot of mangas and making movies out of them, trying to bring put put butts in seats in theaters because the Japanese film industry was dying, uh, which is kind of sad. But uh, this movie actually wasn't a big hit. But I, I'm kind of surprised. It wasn't because it's a, it's pretty cool. It's got a, a it's got star power. It's got director power. It's got a story uh, a magna power. So it's kind of like hmm, that's kind of bizarre. I guess it just 
didn't uh, groove with audience. But uh, Sonny Chiba plays this uh, kind of backwoods cop who's super tough, but uh, very sweet at the same time, and not as dumb as many people would think he would be because he's, you know... Uh, backwoods kind of guy he comes in looking for uh there's this murder of someone from his original island okinawa and he wants to come in the big city and try to figure out who did it uh in the meantime he gets uh, mixed up with the yakuza a biker gang and he has at odds with the the policemen that are local due to his weird superstitious beliefs and you know his tough guy his antics and just you know his whole his whole demeanor he's just a bizarre kind of guy uh so he eventually saves this singer and he thinks the singer looks just like the actual person supposedly dead this opens this whole you know big thing with uh, yakuza who are her running one of them's a manager of her so it pits him against the yakuza pits him against the cops and meanwhile of course there's this killer going around who's burning bodies which is who originally killed the girl so it gets kind of a a lesser director would have made this muddled would have made this stupid but uh there's elements of comedy and action put in right at the right spots and drama and it, it works well uh and when the character dons his 44 magnum uh revolver there's some you know heads to be split and stuff like that so that's pretty cool uh on the features here there was an interview with uh, the screenwriter an interview with uh, a film historian who knows this director's work and uh, an interview with Sonny Chiba carried over you know it's part two of the wolf guy interview so it's pretty cool I thought it was a pretty solid movie it looks good it sounds good and uh, it's got some nice action and drama and I really like the ending how he figures out how he does you know uh, he has this element where he dumps these she shells down on uh, the table and, and picks the face ones up and he does uh, she's dead she's alive kind of like she loves me she's not that's how he determines how people are alive or not uh, so yeah check out the video I think it's a pretty cool movie and uh, I'm impressed with what Errol's been doing and this is uh, no exception it's pretty cool Next one we I will be checking out or reviewing for you guys is Feed the Light. This is from Intervision. Yeah, it's a little like you know sidearm of Severn Films, and uh, yeah, this is a bizarre one. Uh, you know, definitely inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. Actually, won uh, at some of the H.P. Lovecraft festivals, so uh, that's pretty cool. But uh, what we have here is uh, the number one thing I'd say about this movie. This is the the poster child for imagination, inspiration over budget. It's low budget. You don't necessarily need a big budget. You just need to have a cool story. And uh, Feed the Light is, is exactly what that is. Most of it's shot in black and white. Uh, we follow the story of this kind of, uh, you know, I guess it, it would, she would be an underdog, according to the director. Uh, this this woman who wants to infiltrate this factory or this big building where they're kind of doing these weird experiments uh, because her daughter and her uh, father's, her daughter's father had disappeared in the building. She wants to find her daughter. Uh, come to find out they're performing this weird experiments or keeping this light at bay. This light seems to have a mind of its own and some people kind of worship it. It's really bizarre but if you look in the light too long, you get taken over by it. Uh, your body physically kind of changes. You are mentally changed. Uh, you can get caught in these laps of distortion, time distortion. So you can go in a couple minutes and it could be a couple hours, a couple days, a couple years. Everything doesn't work right. So it sets up these really weird, bizarre moments uh, where you kind of have to do these weird, uh, open these doorways with cell phones and electronics. Kind of reminds me of From Beyond. I definitely inspired by that, the same kind of story. I, I don't remember the story that that was off the top of my head by Lovecraft. 
But uh, yeah, it kind of opens that uh, weird, bizarre world where uh, the creatures are like shadow creatures, which sets up a really creepy, uh, you know, kind of style because any corner, any crevice, there could be a shadow creature ready to grab you. Uh, the peril in the movie is her trying to save her kid, which I think is the only reason someone would go into this creepy, bizarre alternate reality. But uh, it's a creepy ass movie. It's different. Uh, and I said uh, there's some really crazy moments in here. It's got guts. Uh, there's this really particularly nasty scene where this guy's anus uh, leaks the weird dust that's in the air. Uh, they say the dust is hit by the light and you have to clean it constantly or the creatures or the insects, this is what they call them, will come in and take them away. The vermin will come and eat it and it will track them. It's just a super bizarre world uh, and it's mind-boggling and uh, it's really cool. It's really creepy. And the ending was super kind of sad for me. Very bittersweet ending and it just kind of broke my heart. But uh, on here is an interview with the director uh, and he talks about <laughs> Lovecraft and whatnot. And there's a small little making of which is also pretty cool. But I would say uh, if you like independent budget movies and you don't mind them but you like uh, imagination and uh, over the budget if you can get past budget constraints which I always can especially if it's a cool story like this and uh, it actually does feel fairly Lovecraftian uh, yeah there's a written review on Screaming Toilet if you want to check it out I wrote one and uh, one for Doberman Cop as well but yeah Feed the Light cool stuff Titta på ljuset Det är som en sorts hypnos. Vi bestämde vi skulle göra en dokumentär om ljuset. Ljuset gör någonting med huvudet på en del the next one here from MVD is Navy Seals versus Demons. Yeah, Navy Seals versus Demons. The title, it just, it kind of makes me laugh right off the bat. But essentially what we have here is these, uh, it kind of a backwoods place where no, nobody really cares about the people being killed. Illegal immigrants is what they're saying are being murdered by supposed demons. They have the file, the government has this file. So they kind of get this ragtag team of old ex-Navy SEALs to take care of it, go in there and neutralize the uh, threat because they are fearing that this could, you know, contaminate the world. Uh, and it actually turns out to be demons. But the 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 thing that, that's not really a twist right off the bat, you know, there's monsters and stuff. The practical effects in here, there is some gore. There is some fight choreograph uh, fight choreography. Get a tongue twister there. But there's some fights in here that actually uh, are pretty cool, pretty fun. Uh I have no complaints there. The number one thing that attracts me to this movie is there's a bond between these three Navy SEALs. And they're actually pretty good actors. Uh, you would you actually end up liking them quite a bit throughout the movie. I think that the end of the movie falls a little flat. I don't think the action comes across as it should. And uh, it kind of just gets a little muddled towards the end of the movie. Uh, and it's a shame because the setup is really good. The setup's a lot of fun. The middle's okay and the ending's kind of a letdown. There is some really bad, bad CGI of guns in here gun flares and gun shots and which is kind of bizarre because the actual practical effects in here aren't bad there's some demon makeup that's fun there's some guts that fall out but uh, all in all i think it's fair 
I think it's, uh, I, I really like the lead in it. I think he's good. I think he has that kind of charisma that a lot of the old action stars had, that likable charisma. And he has some good moments of uh, drama, too. They set it up. It's, it works better as a drama movie than it does as a horror film uh, or an action film, for that matter. But uh, it's Navy SEALs versus Demons. There's no special features on the disc. I, I, I didn't particularly like the stuff that they cut back to, the guys in the office and stuff. It's just it's just a lot of padding time, and it feels like something like uh, bloopers from Armageddon. But all in all, I think if this is your thing, I think it's a bravo uh, for the three leads in here. The Navy SEALs, I think they do a really good job. Uh, and there's some nudity in here, I believe. Uh, there's definitely some stripping in here. So that's always nice for people, I guess, to, you know, break up some of the monotony in, in the movie if you feel that way. But, uh, you know, not horrible. Not great. You know, this is, it has its moments. And I think the three leads are actually pretty good. And I, I like their characters. Jack County, Texas. People are dying. Come on! And you can help. You should be. Don't do that. one here yeah pool party massacre and i saw this case and i was like you know what i think i want to see that and uh you know what i, I checked out the trailer and i had heavy metal music playing and i was like th slasher throwback heavy metal not really sure but uh the director uh drew amarvik actually contacted me he's like hey man you want to review it and i was like you know, I, I felt kind of bad taking an independent movie to review because I want to support him. But he sent it, and I was like, yeah, man, that, that was really cool of him to do. So uh, I checked it out, and I'm not just saying this because he gave it to me for free because I'd I'd be honest, uh, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, the funny thing is I'm so burnt out on uh, – so incredibly burnt out on throwback slasher movies. They're either too self-aware, they don't take itself seriously, or they go so over the top that I'm like, okay, this is freaking stupid. This is just too much. Uh, but, or they never have ever seen another independent movie and you can tell they make all the same freaking mistakes. It's like, Hey, you like Friday 13th? You want to see a bad version of it? Nah. Pool Party Massacre is done right because it has the right amount of comedy and the right amount of self-awareness, but it takes itself. Everybody's kind of weird and silly in it, but they're not overacting to the point where they just come across as fake which is something I don't particularly like. But Pool Party Massacre, I really enjoyed it. Uh, essentially, what we have here is a pool party gone wrong. Uh, these kind of rich, spoiled girls have this party. Uh, of course, it's crashed by a couple bozos. But uh, the killer comes in, he starts killing them with various power tools. It's fun because you get to see the killer's uh, power tool rack, and he pulls them off, and you can see the tool missing because he had drawn a black line, so he knows where to put the tools. That's really fun in here. Uh, so you get all these crazy kills in here. The special effects are are, are effective, but they're just kind of blood, blood flowing on the ground, blood spurting here and there. But all of it's effective and simple. Uh, the highlight for the movie, to be brutally honest, there's a couple highlights. I'll, I'll, go, I'll build them up. But one of them is the 8-bit eight, the eight uh, credit opening is really beautiful, really awesome. And the way they actually use heavy metal in the music didn't bother me, or the hard rock. It actually worked well, which usually doesn't for me. I hate it, but I, I don't hate heavy metal or anything. I just don't like it in the movies when it comes out of nowhere. And they work it well in here. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a fair share of nudity in here, and there's all sorts of different kind of body types and girls in here, which is, which is kind of cool, uh, to be honest. And uh, 
you know, a lot of movies are just the same plastic people getting nude all the time. And a lot of these girls are supposed to be goofy and silly, but, you know, and uh, kind of have that plastic mentality. But, you know, they're, they're all different shapes and sizes, which I thought was nice to do. Uh, the one character in this movie that I absolutely loved was this guy named Clay. Uh, he reminds me of a childhood friend, and listening to the commentary, he actually was like a, a combination of all his childhood friends, uh, the parts of him. But he's uh, one of the girl's boyfriend's brother, and he tags along. He's older than the rest, and the dialogue that the, comes out of this guy's mouth is priceless. Uh, the way he delivers his lines, the way he's trying to pick up the girls, he is such a stupid, ridiculous character that uh, it's hard not to just be mesmerized by him because he's freaking hilarious he reminded me exactly of my friend but uh he's probably the best part of the movie uh, uh the killer's really fun as well i like the lines in there at the very ending uh like i said it's the right amount of self-aware uh there's some nice editing in here but uh it's it's the right amount of self-aware it's the right amount of kills it's just a lot of kills in the movie it never slows down it's not too long it's just fun and they know what they're doing it's it's low budget and cheap but it's not lazy and that's all I can really ask on a lot of independent movies. It's not lazy. They really tried, and they did a pretty damn good job. I enjoyed it. I laughed out loud by myself, remind you. So uh, that's always a, a, a good sign if you're laughing alone because you don't typically laugh alone as much as you do with a group of friends or somebody. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Pool Party Massacre. Uh, there'll be links below everywhere. Uh, check it out, the Facebook. But, uh, yeah, the features include two audio commentaries, one with the director and his mother, which is kind of funny. He uh, actually filmed in his mother's house and his own house. And uh, one with the cast and crew, uh, or just some of the crew me uh, cast members. And they, they're just kind of making fun of the movie and having a good time. Uh, there's a making of on here, which is nice, uh, a location thing. So it's a loaded disc. Uh, it's factory uh, pressed if anybody's worried about that. But yeah, Pool Party Massacre, I give it a thumbs up, man. Really entertaining. I enjoyed the hell out of it, especially if you like new slashers that you want to have a good time and you don't want to be let down too bad, then Pool Party Massacre is that movie to check out. Yeah. There was a jungle out there. Claire Winthorpe and her friends don't know it yet, but they are about to have the worst pool party ever. Pool Party Massacre. Coming soon. The next one here is Battle Beyond the Stars. I actually had uh, always had this in my sights to buy because it's one of the Roger Corman Blu-rays. It's a Star Wars-inspired movie. So I was like, it can't be that bad. It's got to be a, a lot of fun, to be honest. Uh, and I heard about it on just the 80s uh, podcast, 80s All Over podcast. So I was like, and they... they Gave it a, a solid recommendation. And, you know, they're they're pretty strict. A lot stricter than me when it comes to movies. So I was like, John Sayles wrote it. You know, he wrote Alligator. This has got to be pretty good. So uh, I popped it in. It's produced by Roger Corman. And I got to say, this is a... Uh, it's, it's basically Magnificent Seven, which is a storyline with seven mercenaries. Uh, they have to defend this uh, planet from getting blown up. Uh, it's amazing. I had a lot of fun with it. James Horner did the score, so it's really good. Uh, James Cameron worked on the art direction, art art uh, set designs and stuff like that. He did all that kind of stuff. Uh, the direction's solid. Uh, the characters and the, the actors in here are really good. John Saxon is a bad guy. I love John Saxon. Whether it's Nightmare on Elm Street, whether it's Cannibal Apocalypse, whether whatever he pops up in, John Saxon does 110%. And he always is great. And he brings so much life to bad characters or bad scripts that, uh, you know, having a good script and having fun is amazing. He plays the villain in here. And uh, he's basically these, this race of mutants. And he wants to destroy this planet if they don't bow down to his tyranny. And uh, he uh, 
has this weird thing where the mutants can take other people's body parts and attach them to them so because they're rotting so they can live forever. So John Saxon's guy wants to live forever, so he's got that gimmick. And uh, he's just having a lot of fun, and he's intimidating, and he's great. Uh, Richard Thomas is the main uh, hero and the Luke Skywalker-type character from It, among other things. Uh, a really great episode of Tales from the Crypt as well. And, uh, you know, Sybil Danning's in here. Uh, no nudity because it's PG, but she's in a very, very uh, skimpy uh, Valkyrie outfit, and she's got a great character to play as well. Uh, there's really cool character designs that have a light, light like, uh, you know, what they do and their powers are really cool. And they, uh, of course, Robert Vaughn's in here playing that kind of, uh, you know, mercenaries never had a home and, you know, never really had anybody to care for and whatnot. So there's a lot of good setup here and, uh, the movie's got guts. People die. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's uh, actually emotionally impactful when people bite it. Uh, the special effects are really good. I was not bored throughout the movie. I listened to the commentary of John Sales and Roger Corman, and these guys are smart. They're bright, and uh, it was very interesting what they talked about. Loved it. But I, uh, I cannot recommend Paddle Beyond the Stars enough. It's just, a, especially if you have space operas, it's it's better than any of the episode one, two, or three, I'll tell you that much. Uh, and I like it better than Force Awakens, but, you know, I like old movies. Hell, I might even like it better than some of the old Star Wars movies. But uh, maybe call me an idiot. I just really liked it, really enjoyed it, had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think most people would enjoy it. Uh, but I, I really dig the characters that uh, are basically these uh, singularity characters. Not singularity, but they're kind of like uh, hive mentality characters where they all from the same planet and they all feel the same and they send out these five to help because they're so bored and uh they can visualize and feel each other's pain they're just really cool characters and uh yeah i'd really recommend battle beyond the stars just a, a sci-fi blast ruthless invaders a defenseless planet battle beyond the stars A lone youth escapes on a last-ditch mission that begins at the edge of the universe. Oh, no. Battle Beyond the Stars. The next one here is the Majorettes on Blu-ray. Yeah, The Majorettes. This is by uh, Bill Heinzman, R.I.P. Uh, he did Flesh Eater. He was the graveyard zombie in Night of the Living Dead. This is actually written by, from a book by John Russo. He also produced the movie. Uh, I hadn't seen this. I, I might have seen the VHS years ago. Uh, great VHS cover art uh, with the skull and the, the the skull in the front with the hair. And uh, then I watched the DVD when it came out. But surprisingly I, I was a little leery on Shriek Show I never really got into their Blu-rays I have a few I haven't really watched that many but uh, it looks a lot better than the DVD uh, actually looks like it was taken from a scan and everything remastered not just an upscale maybe from the same uh, print I, I don't know probably I, I can't imagine Major S has that many prints but basically this is kind of a slasher movie but it's different uh, a lot of people's complaints about the movie are say they put too much into it and most slasher movies there's not enough involved in this but uh, here we go uh, what we have here is this kind of strange, small religious town uh, where the majorettes uh, 
are pretty much, you know, the focus of a lot of people. And they start getting picked off one by one. Uh, there's some really cool moments in the movie. The killer definitely feels like he's from The Prowler. This was made in 86. He pulls them out and screams. And he's wearing all camo and cuts their throat. They reuse the throat cutting gag a lot in this movie. But meanwhile in here, there's this storyline going on about one of the majorettes is pregnant by the local drug pusher and he's a no good scumbag nobody likes him around here and uh the the scumbag actually gets involved with a lot of the stuff in here in his gang and uh it turns into an action movie at one point it gets really kind of a uh, gratuitously violent in the action uh, part department and I love that stuff really cool stuff with the squibs and explosions and I was like man I don't remember this movie being this cool and you'll recognize some familiar faces Rush Striner from Night of the Living Dead of course is in it as a weird preacher uh you'll you'll see uh uh, the guy from the Night of the Living Dead 1990, one of the two guys that find Barbara in the back of the truck, uh, you know, is kind of the local yokels. And uh, he's in this as kind of this rebel f flag kind of a uh, goon. Uh, the goons are fun. Uh, the violence is uh, ridiculous. A lot of the acting's iffy. Some are, some is pretty good. Like I said, you know, the rebel guy is really good. Uh, some of it's really bad. There's this uh, mentally handicapped handyman uh, and... <laughs> He looks just like Chris Christie did when he was super young. I just couldn't stop. Uh, the pictures of Chris Christie. I started laughing hysterically when I realized he looked just like Chris Christie. But, uh, yeah. But he's just, he's not particularly good. He plays the typical kind of red herring character where you're like, that guy's the killer. But he's obviously not the killer. There's a lot of people like that in this movie. Like I said, it, it fair, it's fairly obvious. But it does have that, you know, that good Pittsburgh feel, which I love so much. Uh a lot of action in the end, uh, lots of slashing, tons of nudity. There's a lot of nudity in this movie. Uh, you never get bored. It, fe it feels like Bill Heinzman's like, we got to have boobs. We got to sell, sell, sell. And Russo's with the book. He's like, we got to make this interesting. So it, it, it's the best of both worlds. It's sleazy. It's cheap. But it's always entertaining. And it has some of these some interesting things in here with the religious uh, element uh, and the killer kind of baptizing his victims. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I would watch again. Uh, it's probably the third time I've seen it. It's been a long time since I've seen it before that. But uh, that is the major uh Really fun on the DVD. It's the same stuff. Uh, the Blu-ray it's the ported over stuff. Isolated soundtrack. Uh, kind of a making a featurette with John Russo and Bill Heinzman who passed. And uh, that's kind of cool. It's like 30 minutes in there. But uh, yeah, if you guys like Bill Heinzman or like the Pittsburgh kind of film scene, it's not George Romero. Then I check out Major. I mean, there's some cool stuff. I'd also check out Flesh Eater, which I'm a big fan of. But um, <laughs> I like the Majorettes. You'll know what you're getting yourself into. If you like kind of uh, the slasher movies from the 80s that are not the A-list slasher movies like the Friday 13th or even kind of the second great ones, which are really good, like My Bloody Valentine. If you like kind of the C-rate slasher movies like Graduation Day and the Majorettes, that's how I would put it. It's like the Majorettes, you know, it's like a graduation day or something. But yeah. I think it's better in graduation day, but the majorettes, really cool stuff. The high school majorettes. They're so popular, so pretty, and so desirable. You just can't take your eyes off them, and that's enough to get them killed. One by one by one. He knows who we are. And if he's determined to come after us one by one, one by one, gives me the creeps. One by one, they're never too young. They're never too old. They're never too late to give the last performance of their lives. Leave it to the co-author of The Night of the Living Dead to take the majorettes apart. 